You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Thursday, July the 9th. As we get into some Phillies baseball, actually seeing some videos from Citizens Bank Park yesterday of the Phillies playing what looked like actual baseball. How about it? An interest God game. The Phillies beat the Phillies four to three. Look, it was just so great to see actual baseball being played on a baseball field, even if it was, you know, Phillies against Phillies, even if it, you know, was somewhat. Um, lax, you know, JT Romito homered and jogged to first. and was like, eh, I don't need to jog the whole way. When he did that, Bryce Harper yelled out, sign him at the top of his lungs. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Didi Gregorius, a grand slam yesterday. We saw some air high fives, which Bryce Harper thinks are going to be the coolest thing in baseball this year. I totally agree with him. I think the air high fives, the different celebration routines we could see have the chance to be Pretty fun and special and different, so I, I am excited about that. Uh, coming up, we'll look at uh, the Phillies lineup. We've talked about kind of projecting what that's going to look like for a while, and obviously with them playing baseball yesterday, a good day to dive in to that. A couple notes first, uh, two quick things. One, the, the, the sign-in thing. So Bryce Harper comes to camp in a JT Romito jersey. Has been vocal, um, said the other day when when uh, uh, talking to reporters, saying it would be terrible if the Phillies did not re-sign JT Romito. And then again yesterday when, when Romito hits on run, yells, sign him at the top of his lungs. All the reporters hear it. They tweet it out. It's, it's, a, it's a thing, as they say. And we've talked about the Romito contract extension and all that. What You know where I come down that I obviously want JT Romito here for the long term. I think they should sign him, but... I also think they need to be smart about it and understand that, which it seems like they do, that the financial landscape, the economic landscape of baseball has been inalterably changed, at least for now, into the near future, if not the, the further future. And JT Romito just has the, the grand misfortune of being a free agent this particular offseason, the worst possible offseason to be a free agent in the history of baseball potentially you know since since Kurt Flood in 1973 was made it a thing it is about as bad a, a timing for JT Romito as you could get and it sucks for him but I, I, as a result I think the Phillies need to be smart about it and again I want I need them to sign him he needs to be here you know uh, he is too valuable a part of the team and look you <laughs> the Bryce Harper part of this can't be ignored like the Phillies did Signed Bryce Harper to a record contract at the time, you know, in terms of total money, obviously on an annual basis spread out over 13 years. So not as big an annual hit year by year. Part of the reason for that, Bryce Harper said, was that he wanted to be able 
to bring more high-quality players here. The Phillies go out and get JT Romito, who is his best friend in baseball, the guy he thinks is the best player in the league, and now Harper is openly standing for Romito and a contract extension. Um, and they promised Bryce Harper when they signed him that they were going to do everything they could to win here. That was part of the reason he came here. He believed in John Middleton. That was a big narrative, a big talking point when he first got here. So, man, it's a tough situation. This is not simple and easy for the Phillies to figure out because um, internally there's pressure for them to sign him. Externally there's pressure for him to sign him. They also have to be smart about it. It's a unique situation. And Harper is certainly not making it easy on them, and I understand that. Look, Bryce wants his guy signed. So, uh, look, I think it's going to be a fascinating situation how it plays out. I, I do think ultimately JT Romita will be a Philly long-term, but I think it's probably going to play into the, se- into the offseason. You know, I just think that probably makes the most sense. Let the market get set, see what it is, and make sure you sign him rather than give him a contract now based on what he would have been worth in a normal market, which is what he's looking for until he sees that that market is depleted um i think you almost have to, to let it play out uh but again I, it's obviously incredibly important they sign him uh, from a, a team roster perspective from a building the team perspective and of course you know he's the best catcher in baseball but also from a you know internal pressure standpoint bryce harper your best player the face of your franchise one of the faces of major league baseball is openly calling you out to sign this guy it is awkward in a way right i mean it is it's a little awkward so i think the phillies are are Kind of backed into a corner here. It's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. All right, getting in the lineup in one sec. Um, one other thing I heard yesterday I just want to mention, Joe Girardi uh, talked to the media, a lot of talked about a lot of things, talked about going back to New York, what that's going to be like, a bunch of stuff. But the, the thing that stood out to me as the most interesting was talking about the potential need for crowd noise during games to be pumped in to the stadium. I thought it was fascinating because um, I hadn't thought about the reasoning for it. He talked about the potential for... Um, you know, you can hear a catcher move if you're a hitter. You know, if you hear a catcher slide to the outside, you know it's going to be on the outside part of the plate. Or he said you can hear the communications better between players, between the the dugout and players, all that type of stuff, stuff that in a stadium with fans and noise and music and all that stuff that it is impossible to hear those things. Whereas in an empty stadium with this cavernous echoing sound everywhere, it's much easier to hear these things. I thought that was fascinating. I know the the idea of fake crowd noise has been something that's been discussed and debated for all the major sports, basketball, football, you know, the idea of these sports coming back and the uh, uniqueness of the sound. Certainly basketball with the uh, sneakers squeaking on the court. Sneakers squeaking. That was not an easy thing to say. Sneakers squeaking on the court. And, of course, the potential for guys cursing, you know, all this type of stuff. There's so many factors here that, um, it is going to be unique. We knew that. We know that that seeing sports with no fans in the stands is going to be unique. It's going to be a fascinating thing to see. But I do think that's an interesting point by Girardi about the crowd noise and, and the need for it from a competitive balance standpoint, not necessarily from a um, normalcy standpoint. Um, oh, it'll sound more normal. That was not it, even though it might. You know, it, it could it could go either way. I think with the fake crowd noise, it could sound more normal. It could sound weird. We don't know. My guess is it would sound more normal. My guess is they would do a very good job of figuring out the right crowd noise at the right spots. It's obviously tough. You know, when does the crowd um, crescendo and all that? Like, you know, it's a fly ball. Do you get excited about a potential home run that, that, you know, you don't know? You know, there's so many factors of it. And whoever's, quote-unquote, playing that crowd noise, you know, the ups and downs and when to, 
you know, swell it and not is going to be a fascinating thing if they decide to do it. So I do think that's going to be a really interesting factor. And I, I hadn't thought about it in the terms that Girardi had put it in. I had thought about it more in a normalcy terms, you know, kind of keeping baseball as close to what we know it as um, from a, a look and sound perspective. But from a competitive bounds uh, perspective, I thought that was a really, really fascinating point from Joe Girardi. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into the starting lineup. We are just over two weeks away. Tomorrow, we'll be two weeks away from opening day. Technically, today, we are two weeks away from opening day in Major League Baseball as those uh, the night of the 23rd, the first two games of the season, and the Phillies will open on the 24th. So now, a good time to, to dive into the Phillies roster and see how do we think this is going to play out. Last week, we did our um, 30-man roster projections. And look, we've had some information, some differences. You know, originally, we didn't know when Scott Kingery was going to be here. We didn't know when Aaron Nola was going to be here. We didn't know what was going on with Adam Hazley. It now looks like everyone's here um, for the most part. Uh, Mickey Matuk's still not playing, but Neris is back. Um, you know, the only real question mark, well, two really, Zach Wheeler, because of, of his wife and labor, it does. I know he's um, he's posited some concerns about playing the season. It does seem like he is... Going to play. I know he's down there working out. We'll see how this plays out. It, you know, look, maybe his wife has a kid and it totally changes his perspective on everything. We don't know. But right now we're assuming that Wheeler will be there for the bulk of the season, maybe not the beginning if his wife gives birth at the beginning. But it does seem like we have the Phillies team here and Francisco Liriano really the one question mark is he has been the one player who they have talked about as potentially opting out on the season is something that is uh, considered. Um, a possibility for him. We've not heard that about, that about other players. Obviously, Zach Wheeler kind of heard it a little bit about. We've heard some reservations, but um, we obviously don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but we we feel confident Wheeler will be here. Not sure about Liriano. It seems like everyone else will be. So let's let's dive in. How does this lineup shake out? We we I think we know from a, a defensive perspective where people will be on most nights. Um, you know, if you're going around the diamond, you know, Jay, and again, obviously people get off days and all that, but, but let, we're talking like opening day lineup, you know, starting rotation. We know that JT Romito is going to be catching. We know that Reese Hoskins is going to be playing first base. I do think there is the potential for as the season goes on for Hoskins to DH at times if they're going to bring Alec Bohm up and if Bohm um, is more comfortable at first and third. I don't know if he'd be more comfortable, just better. <laughs> He's not very good at third, even though, he, you know, it's his natural position. Um, but I, I know Girardi has talked about the idea that with the DH this year that they could um, rotate guys in and out of that to get guys rest. I think that is something you will see. I think it is something you should see. I think it is a, a great way to use the DH, particularly, obviously, for a team that does not have a quote-unquote DH under contract, so to speak. So um, I think that makes a lot of sense. So you know Hoskins can be at first. We believe it'll be Kingery at second and Segura at third. Theoretically, those could be flipped depending on what Girardi decides to do, but it does seem like from everything we've heard that Scott Kingery will finally be playing his natural position at second base, the position he's played the majority of his career. I do still argue for the fact that, that Kingery's versatility is, is such a valuable part of who he is and the fact that he can play center field for you, the fact that he can play third base for you, the fact that in, in a pinch he can play shortstop for you, that he can play all those positions and play them at an average to above average level, I do think is a real asset for a player, but it also does appear from everything you hear, and I, I know Larry Bow has talked about this a fair amount, but the idea that that for certain players, particularly maybe younger players, as they ease their way, still easing their way into the league, that um, it, it would be better for Scott Kingman to just put him somewhere and let him focus on 
everything else and not having to move around from position to position. And if you're going to do that, I think it makes the most sense to put him at the position he is most naturally comfortable at. So Kingery at second, Segur at third. I think that, look, again, um, it's one of those things where it's like a, like analytics versus uh, human action type of thing where it's um, inherently we don't know that, that it makes a difference, but we're hearing from people who know Scott Kingery that it could make a difference. So why not give it a shot, right? I mean, I, I think that Scott Kingery's upside is, is so high, and we saw some of it last year where he can be a real, and tomorrow we're going to talk about some X-factor players on this team, and we'll talk more about Kingery in this, in this type of idea but he really is one of those guys on this team who could could swing the season one way or another with, you know, if he could take a step forward. We know the talent's there. We know the ability. We've seen the raw ability. We've seen the speed. We've seen the bat. We've seen the defensive prowess. If he could just stick at second base, stay there, and just focus on everything else and maybe take a step forward, I mean, that could be a massive, massive thing for this team. So we'll talk more about Kingery tomorrow in that sense as well. Third base, Gene Segura. Uh, again, you know, I think Alec Baum is the real question mark in this part of the field could he be a third baseman could he be a dh could he be a first baseman for you i think look there's a chance we see bowman all those positions at some point this season i do think as we've talked about they will whatever it is if it is that seven days that it takes to accrue the year of service time i do think they will do whatever it takes to an accrue an extra year of service time for alec bohm so i don't think we'll see him the first week plus of the season but i do think that after that look he ripped a double yesterday we saw the video i mean the the thing with Alec Baum is, is look, you can't guarantee that someone is going to hit in the major leagues if they've never been in the major leagues before. But I feel really confident that Alec Baum is going to hit in the major leagues. I feel really confident about it. I think his bat tool is is just that good. You know, the contact, the ability to make contact, hard contact. You know, I think he's just too talented a hitter to just, you know, all of a sudden implode when he gets to the major league level. I, I just... I feel really confident. I feel really confident that Alec Bohm will be one of the best nine hitters on this team by the time the season gets going. And thus, they'll need to get his bat in the lineup. Certainly not, maybe not every day, but but he will be involved, and I think he should be involved. At least I hope he's involved. Um, but he is the uh, another guy we'll talk about tomorrow more with the, the whole X-Factor idea. But for now, Segura at third. Didi, obviously, will be the shortstop. The outfield, at least to start the season, seems pretty set with McCutcheon in left, Adam Hazley in center, Bryce Harper in right. And then Jay Bruce as the DH. I think that's probably what your opening day lineup is going to look like. Now, again, and I think in terms of batting order, that could go a number of different ways. I think you assume, you know, obviously, I don't even need to assume, I think McCutcheon is clearly going to be at the top of the lineup. But then I could see it go a lot of ways. I, I think you could see Segura in the two-hole. I could see Harper in the two-hole. I could see Romuto in the two-hole. We've seen a lot of guys in that two-hole. If I had to guess, I would guess they go McCutcheon, Segura, Harper in the three-hole, probably Hoskins in the four-hole, either Hoskins or Romuto in the four-hole, um, and then probably maybe Bruce in the five-hole, and then the other of those two guys in the six if you want to go lefty-righty. If not, you could go righty-righty, then Bruce in the six-hole lefty. Then I think you've probably seen Kingery um, in the uh, seven-hole there, and then uh, you know Hazley will be in the nine-hole. So Didi probably in the seven-hole, Kingery eight-hole, Hazley nine hole, um, unless they want to put Kingery at the bottom of the lineup to have some speed to turn it around. And again, I do think that's something that's pretty cool with this group of players, this lineup, is that I do think there is some versatility in terms of lineup construction. You know, I think that 
We've seen JT Romito bat second. We've seen him bat six. We've seen Harper lead off. We've seen him bat cleanup. We've seen him bat second. We've seen Kingery back at the top of the lineup, at the bat, back of the lineup. Same with Segura. We've seen him bat second. We've seen him bat six. Didi has batted cleanup for the New York Yankees when he was there and, and is someone who can move around the lineup. Maybe he'll be higher. Girardi knows him. Um, there's versatility in this lineup from a, a offensive standpoint in the sense that you have righties and lefties, which is nice. You know, you got a... a, a Nice mix of both. Um, and you also have a, a lot of guys who, who can get on base. You have guys who have some speed. You got a nice mix of speed and power and all that. It does. It feels like a balanced lineup. And then when you add in the potential for like Logan Forsythe to get a start a week at DH or in left field and you move McCutcheon to center and put him there and left for a day or for a Josh Harrison to get a start or again, Alec Bohm, Roman Quinn, I think you'll see play some center field, especially if Hazley struggles. So um, I like the offense. Uh, look, again, if, if you're – I think this season, as we've talked about, and we will talk way more about over the next week plus as we get closer to the start of the season, but I do think, you know, as I've said, this could be the kind of season where, where a hot start or a cold start really defines teams' seasons. So um, it's very hard to predict how things are going to go. It, and also a season in a unique sense where it does feel like – Talent is obviously important. Depth is incredibly important um, because I do think we'll see a lot of injuries. But I think more than anything, it, it's a unique situation where, you know, one of my, if you've ever listened to me, you know, one of my, my big things I always talk about is the idea that and it's not, you know, complicated or anything, but the idea that humans, uh, athletes are humans. And sometimes I think we expect too much of them as these robotic, athletic creatures who are there for our amusement as opposed to, to factoring in the human side of all these things, too. And this is the the biggest year ever for that. There's so many human factors going on this season um, on, on a multitude of levels, obviously, um, that I think that it's going to be about how players and teams deal with those factors that is going to ultimately decide who has success and who has failure this year, that even more important than talent. Look, talent is the most important thing, but... In a way, if, if the talent is even somewhat close, I think that a team that is mentally tough and a team that is fully in can have success, more success in a year like this than they could in any other year, and that's why it makes it so hard to predict and so interesting. I do think if the Phillies end up being one of those teams, certainly one that competes and, and contends, I think this offense is going to be the reason why, and I think that's pretty clear. Um, I think they're a talented offensive team. You know, They have the potential to be a top five to ten type of offense in baseball for sure top ten you know they have that potential it is it is certainly on the table and I like the depth I like the um, fact that as far as it goes for a National League team they're relatively well set up for the DH with Jay Bruce with Alec Bohm on the way all that I, I do think that they are pretty well set up for this weird season in a way from that perspective you know there are other reasons to to be more negative but I do think the lineup offensively is going to hit, and I, I think they're going to compete. I think, the, obviously, the, as we've talked about, it comes down to the, the pitching, and I think you know, I think we have a pretty good idea of assuming everyone's healthy, assuming everyone's there, what the, the rotation's going to look like. We know it'll be Nola and Wheeler 1-2, and then Arietta Eflin 3-4 in some order. I would guess Arietta is, is technically the three-starter, but personally, I think Eflin's better, so I would put Eflin as the three. Either way, they're your three and four, and then that fifth starter spot comes down to um, you know, Nick Pavetta, Ranger Suarez, Vince Velasquez, maybe even a mix of guys. We've talked about the idea that teams could use two guys for three innings each or whatever. Potentially, that seems like a a, 
a perfect type of strategy for those two guys, especially a guy like Velasquez, whose numbers the third time through an order are so unbelievably horrendous that it's like, why not just, you know, throw him a couple, one time through the order, two times through the order, and move on. I mean, that could work, you know, in a time and a half through the order, whatever. So um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think ultimately if the Phillies get off to a solid start and if they are really have a chance to compete this season, I think ultimately Spencer Howard becomes that fifth guy. Um, and look, injuries could also play a part in this. I do think we're going to see arm injuries. I'm concerned about arm injuries. Um, I think if it is Spencer, I don't know, all of a sudden he's, you know, in terms of talent, like you're three, then it's a whole different story on how this team looks. Um, he is someone we will talk tomorrow about as well in the X Factor show, as he might potentially be the biggest X Factor this season, one of them. You know, there are a few. Again, we'll get into all of them tomorrow. I've got a, a list of players who I think are X-factor players for this season for one reason or another. And really, you know, look, you can say the whole team is in this unique season and everything matters so much in such a short season. It's all kind of X-factory in a way. Um, but we'll dive into that tomorrow. Um, so uh, I think we know how the rotation is going to shake out. I, I, look, I think the Phillies' ultimate ability to, again, really contend this year or just kind of fall where people expect them, um, I think they're they're – they're a 500 baseball team at worst. You know, that type of team. What they were last year, I think, is their floor. Again, floor being a relative thing in a year where if you start off 1-6, and six, all of a sudden your team could just check out and it just goes the wrong way. I mean, there are so many weird scenarios for how this season can go for most teams that it's hard to, you know, it's the hardest season ever to predict. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but assuming the Phillies, uh, you know, something like that doesn't happen and they can get off to a, a solid enough start, you know, I do think that that you you kind of have to give Howard a shot to to be a part of this thing um, in a unique year where you won't pound his arm to death. You know, where he's got the chance to to give you a innings that matter, but also um, you know not keep that extra. You keep that year of extra service time. You get innings that matter. All that. I think ultimately, as I think we all know, the the season again, if they don't are not one of those teams that just gets out to a bad start and is out of it. Uh, I think the season's going to come down to their ability to hold leads. And, you know, I think they'll score runs. I think the starting staff will not be great, but I don't think it'll be the worst in baseball, especially if Spencer Howard's there all of a sudden. You know, it's it's middle of the pack. You know, it's not as bad as others. That bullpen is that. <laughs> like we talked about, Hector Neris is your closer, and then it's, you know, the bridge to Neris. You're, I think your sixth, seventh, eighth inning guys are, are Tommy Hunter, uh, uh, Jose Alvarez, Adam Morgan. Liriano, if he doesn't opt out, I mean, those are not ideal options. They're just not. We all know that. And I think that that's ultimately where this team is going to make or break. The the importance of those guys, the bullpen, we'll talk more about some of those guys tomorrow. But, you know, when Hector Neris is the guy you count on the most by far, and that's a that's a concern. Like Hector Neris, I, I like Hector Neris. I'm, I'm in on Hector Neris. I think he's a really talented pitcher. We've seen stretches where he's one of the best relievers in baseball for a 15, 20-game stretch, whatever. But, you know, we don't forget, it's only been a couple years. We've seen a lot of issues in the ninth inning from Neris, too. So it's far from a, a lock that that guy's going to be shut down for you. And, and if he's easily the most shut down guy you got, it's a concern. It's a concern. So ultimately, I think that this Philly season will make or break, will hinge, ultimately, again, provided it's not just a cold start and they're out type of thing. I think it'll hinge on the ability of these bullpen arms to step up, their ability to get the most they can out of these bullpen arms, their ability to, if they need to, to trade for another bullpen arm towards the end of the season, or the ability for one or two of the guys on the on the taxi squad, the 
Ramon Rossos or Damon Jones, one of those youngsters to come up and do what Sir Anthony did for them a couple years ago and be an elite-ish type of reliever for them. That's what they need. They need someone to step up in that pen. They need someone to to take the reins along with Neris and, and really be a bridge. And I think that's going to be a, a fascinating subplot for this team and really can ultimately decide which way the season goes. So that's what the lineup, that's what the roster is looking like heading into the season. I, I, again, we're, we're two weeks away from baseball tomorrow. Two weeks away from the Phillies playing their first game of the season. This is awesome, awesome, exciting stuff. Tomorrow... We'll dive into some X-Factor players. There are a lot on this team. You know, this is a team where there are a lot of guys. We mentioned, what, three today, and there are more. Four today, there are more. Um, a lot of these guys who can make the season swing one way or the other can really, truly change the fortunes of this team based on whether it's one or the other of believable outcomes for guys. You know, they really could have a lot of swing factors. So we'll dive into that tomorrow and continue to, to get pumped and get excited for this season which is really, again, only two weeks away from tomorrow, so cannot wait. So until tomorrow, we'll be back. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.